Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So the way I found out that I was donor-conceived was when I got the results from 23andMe, I matched with somebody who was my half-brother. To my surprise, I found out that I am not my dad's daughter. He's not my biological father. I took a DNA test, and I don't know who I am anymore. What if a few drops of saliva held the power to completely shatter your identity? As the consumer DNA testing industry has boomed, thousands of people have found out that these tests reveal much more than, say, a Scottish or Chinese heritage. They also have the power to unravel decades of closely kept family secrets. Welcome back to Prognosis. I'm your host, Michelle Faye Cortez. I am so excited for this season, where we'll explore how data is transforming healthcare. Often, the explosion of information is really helpful. It can also feel pretty invasive, and sometimes it could create an existential crisis. This week, we're taking a close look at what happens when a half a teaspoon of spit sets off a chain reaction, forcing you to reevaluate your identity where you belong in this world. Here's Bloomberg Health reporter Kristen V. Brown with the story of one woman who took a DNA test that changed her life and what that means for the rest of us. It's a cold, sunny day in Enumclaw, Washington, a city of 12,000 that rests on a plateau at the foot of Mount Rainier formed by a volcanic eruption 5,000 years ago. The wind is howling, as it usually does here. There is fresh snow on the mountaintop. I'm here to meet Carolyn Bernard. Carolyn raises sheep on a farm in Enumclaw. The sheep, she'd warn me, don't exactly clean up after themselves. Okay, I think she said she's in the back. Carolyn? Oh, hi! Wow, there is a lot of poop. Hi! Hi! You got in! I did, and I, oh my god, look at you guys! <laughs> I just ran out of water here. Carolyn took a DNA test last fall that sent her whole world spinning. I was visiting her because I wanted to understand what it was like to have a piece of data change everything about who you thought you were. When I first started covering DNA testing a few years ago, occasionally I would hear stories of people who found an unexpected parent or sibling through a DNA test. 
Recently, it's felt like once a week I'm reading somebody's story of how DNA brought them a new family member. Then, in December, I wrote a story about how customer service people at 23andMe were having to do the jobs of therapists, consoling people who took a test and uncovered a surprise. The day the story ran, I got 20 emails from people with DNA surprise stories of their own. The next day, I got a few dozen more. And the emails kept coming. I was starting to feel like these individual stories were part of something much bigger. It felt like DNA testing was reshaping the very notion of family. Carolyn was one of the people who emailed me. She had an especially intriguing story. I was also pretty excited about the sheep. Carolyn had asked me to bring Cheetos, apparently a favored sheep snack. This is Esther. She was oh, one of my well Bala babies <gasps> from last year. Oh, hi. And, oh, my um, God, they get so big in here. This is Gwyneth. And... That is Garth Brooks. Garth, Garth Brooks. Does he, does he have a great voice? <laughs> he has a very deep voice, but he is kind of a chunky unit. So <laughs> he's just as handsome as can be. And then this is a win, uh, tease water. And then this is William. And you can see his... Carolyn had taken a DNA test from Ancestry and found out that the father who raised her wasn't actually her biological dad. Well, I was talking to my friend, and I really wanted to find out about our heritage and about, you know, where we came from and the ethnicities and just find other people that we're related to, right? And I've always known that something wasn't right. And I, I t explained that to my mom, and of course she was just like, no way. But I've always known that something wasn't right. And um, so I sent away for this DNA kit, and... I let it sit on my, on my dresser for like six months. And my daughter finally comes over and she says, Mom, just take the stinking thing. Just do it. And so I did it and she stuck it in the mail. When Carolyn got her results back a few weeks later, she was having dinner with a friend at an old Greasy Spoon diner after a long day helping her friend shear sheep. And Ancestry, for whatever reason, texted me on a Friday night in the evening and said, your DNA results are in. And... I looked at my friend, and this was the friend who had, I'd been talking about DNA with. And she goes, well, look at him. And so I opened it up, and I'm expecting to see Swedish. And there wasn't a drop of Swedish anywhere in there. And I was a little perplexed. <laughs> and was, something's not right. And then I um, clicked on the matches. And then I saw the, the man who I grew up with as my father was not my father, it was another man. His name was Gary. And he um, said right on the top, he is your biological father. There is such a disconnect between the type of information that these tests were designed to deliver and what people actually wind up finding out. If you get a medical test at your doctor's office and the results are troubling, the doctor calls you in to explain what everything means. But Ancestry DNA's test is only designed to tell you such seemingly benign information, like how Swedish you are. So you can just be sitting at dinner and get this casual text revealing that your father isn't your father. There is something really callous about that. I didn't expect that. I did not expect to see Gary Tackett as your father. That was the last thing I expected to see. And then I saw all of these siblings that were underneath there, and my friend Kelly is... She's very familiar with DNA, and she says, oh, that's a sibling, that's a sibling, that's a sibling, because of the amount of um, match 
what is that called? The the centiforms or something? Centimorgans. Centimorgans. The amount of centimorgans. She said that that's a sibling. And um, it was not anything that I could have predicted or comprehended at that moment in time. It was very um, surreal. Carolyn has had, by her own account, a tough life. She got into sheep farming to help her cope with post-traumatic stress disorder after serving as a military nurse. Even though she's a farmer, she keeps nocturnal hours, arriving at the farm in the afternoon and working until midnight, a habit she developed while in an abusive relationship. She isn't close with her family and always felt she didn't quite fit in. But never did she expect her dad wasn't the man she grew up with. But more than anything, I was just confused. I was confused. I was overwhelmed. I was surprised. And um, and I think 25% pissed. You know, kind of like being blindsided. And then I had a two-hour drive home. So I was able to digest pretty much all of it. And then I called my daughter on the drive home and talked to her about it and... Um, then she decided that she was going to call my mom and she called my mom and called me back and said, mom wants to talk to you at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Will you call her? And at that point in time, I knew that there was something I hadn't been told. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash GreenFestival. biological father's name was Gary Tackett, or at least that was the name he had been born with. At different times, he has gone by many different names. Carolyn Googled him and began to piece together a portrait of his life from news clippings, public records, and YouTube. Gary had parlayed a career as a crop duster in Arkansas into a gig smuggling marijuana and cocaine from Central America into the United States. By all accounts, Gary was charming and an excellent pilot, able to fly in and out of tight spaces with ease thanks to his crop dusting experience and to evade government surveillance, a skill he picked up as a pilot in Vietnam. In the 1980s, he secretly flew weapons to Nicaraguan rebels for the CIA, flying back to the U.S. with plane loads of drugs in a scandal that would later become known as the Iran-Contra affair. Carolyn watched footage of him testifying before Congress about this scandal in 1988. By then, he was going by Gary Betzner. It was the first time she'd heard her father speak. Here's Gary talking to then-Senator John Kerry. Now, uh, Mr. Betzner, what would you describe to us uh, this first drug venture you went on? You'd never flown down there before. How did you know where to go? Well, I'm a pilot, and um, I've had considerable navigation experience. <clears throat> so... It was uh, relatively simple for me to do. I just uh, left... uh, Carolyn's mom was already divorced with a son when she met Gary. Around the same time, she was also dating the man who Carolyn grew up with, knowing as her father. Her mom says she ended things with Gary after he pressed an old-fashioned bottle opener up to her neck and threatened to kill her. Gary has denied this account to Carolyn. 
Either way, when her mom realized she was pregnant, she told her future husband, the man that raised Carolyn, that the baby was his. If she had said anything, she would have ended up being a divorced woman, an unwed mother, and her life would have been destroyed. I mean, that's just the way it was back then. And um, she did what she did to protect her kids. Abortion wasn't an option. As a rural sheep farmer from a one-stoplight town, it was hard for Carolyn to imagine someone so infamous was her father. He'd lived this adventurous life, making millions smuggling drugs and romancing countless women in his travels. He was a convicted criminal. He was a hippie, too, and at one point had followed an Indian guru. Once, he even faked his own death and moved to Hawaii with his then-wife and two of his children. One of his other daughters, Polly, told me she only found out her dad was still alive when she read about his congressional testimony in the local paper. Carolyn isn't interested in a relationship with her newfound father, though he has reached out to her several times under different aliases via Facebook. We also tried to reach out to Gary for an interview. He never responded and told Carolyn he would only talk to a reporter if she would speak to him. I watched that Senate testimony and I'm, he's a narcissist. And there's nothing for him to offer my life. And what he did to my mom and what he did to those other, other women, I want nothing to do with him. But Carolyn has connected with a few of her nine new siblings. The night she got her ancestry results, Carolyn also received a message from Carla, an actress. Hi, looks like we're close relatives. Are you adopted? Um, my mom's name was Caroline from Bellingham, Washington. She died of cancer in 80, and I never met her. You're only eight months older than me. What is your mom's maiden name? I live in Kingston, a ferry away from you. We could meet and talk. She wrote back. I tried to call you. It said your number is not in service. I stayed up late. I'm on Pacific Standard Time. I would love to talk to you before I talk to my mother in the morning. That was that phone call at 10. Now I know that they've been lying to me my entire life. I'm flummoxed, and I feel like my entire life was a lie. Carla grew up in Puerto Rico and only found out she was adopted much later, as an adult. When DNA testing came around, she tried it out, searching for some sense of identity. The test linked her to a paternal niece and nephew who led her to Gary. Carla asked Gary to take a DNA test. Eventually, Ancestry would also identify Gary as the father of three other children who had no idea Gary was their father, including, most recently, Carolyn, as well as six others who grew up knowing Gary as their dad. The first time Carla and Carolyn met at an olive garden in Washington, they talked for hours as if they were old friends. Another sister, Angela, seemed to share her sense of humor. They now have near-daily conversations. And a brother, Christopher, looked uncannily like her. For Carolyn, a new family was beginning to form. We had one day where we were sending each other pictures of our feet because we all had the same toes. We all had the same goofy toes where our big toe is the longest and then the rest of the toes get smaller as they go down. And so we were taking pictures of our toes and we were taking pictures of our hands and we all had the same pinky and... Um, you know, we all have the same droopy eyelid. It's just, and my daughter is the spitting image of Gary. Really? Yeah. Sitting in her barn, sheltered from the wind amidst the sheep, a llama, chickens, and cats, Carolyn showed me photos. How much her two sons look like Carla's. The goofy selfies she and Angela like to trade. 
For Carolyn, who had felt she never fit in, here were people she had never met that seemed to look like her and laugh at the same kind of jokes. I wake up in the morning and it's like my reality is so different than what it was. It used to be that the prototypical American family was a man and his wife, a couple of kids, maybe a dog. Then, as divorce became more common, half-siblings, step-siblings, and step-parents became part of the mix. Same-sex marriage legalization, too, has diversified what families look like. What does it mean for the family unit when thousands of people are logging into Ancestry and 23andMe to discover families they never knew they had? I tracked down Cece Moore, a genetic genealogist. These days, Cece is most famous for her work using genealogy to hunt serial killers. But Cece got her start pioneering a way for adoptees to use DNA to find their birth parents. So many people are finding these surprises. And often when someone says, oh, my gosh, I took a DNA test and I found a half-sibling, the person they're telling will say, oh, well, guess what? It happened to me, too, or it happened to my cousin, or it happened to someone I'm close to. So it's becoming so common that it's not out of the realm of most people's experience. Like, it happened to them or it happened to someone they know very well. Cece said she's seen cases where people have moved to be closer to their newfound genetic families or taken in DNA relatives that were homeless or in need of support. I think the concept of family already had expanded greatly, and this is just one more step in that direction. Now we have, quote-unquote, DNA cousins, (laughs) DNA relatives, people that we have found strictly through DNA that haven't been part of our history or our life story, that, but perhaps may play an important role in the future. Of course, people don't always embrace their newfound families with open arms. But Cece thinks stories like Carolyn's have made people more open to connecting or to fessing up to long-held secrets. She's heard from sperm donors who now want to connect with their donor children and mothers who abandoned babies and decades later decided to reach out to their kids. People are realizing they can't keep secrets anymore because of consumer DNA testing, because of genetic genealogy techniques to uncover these secrets. So I do think it's going to have a very profound and wide effect uh, across our society. More than 15 million people have taken DNA tests through just Ancestry and 23andMe alone, a number that has only grown since the last time each company publicly released statistics. So many people have had experiences like Carolyn's that an array of support networks for people with so-called non-expected parental events have cropped up on Facebook. The biggest among them, DNA NPE Friends, has grown to more than 5,000 members. 4,000 of those people joined in just the last seven months. The group recently began the process to register as a nonprofit advocating for emotional support for the thousands of people who take DNA tests and find out their family isn't exactly the family they expected. Catherine St. Clair, the founder of DNA and PE Friends, told me even she was surprised by how quickly the group has grown. I thought that this situation was very unique and very unusual. I mean, I figured that there's probably thousands of people out there, but I mean thousands per millions, not thousands per hundred thousands. Instead, she said... Some recent estimates have suggested that people like herself and Carolyn may account for as much as 10% of the population. I think that's too conservative. I think a conservative estimate is 15 to 
Um, but still, if you look at it as 10%, even if it is just 10%, 10% of the world is left-handed. So that means this is just as common as being left-handed. Like Cece, Catherine told me she thinks DNA testing marks the beginning of a shift that will allow people to be more open and honest about the complexities of love and family. We put our parents up on this pedestal. We grow up thinking our parents never made a mistake. We grow up thinking that they never did anything stupid. They never made bad decisions. Nobody wants to admit that to their children because they are afraid that their kids are going to go out and make bad decisions too. So when something like DNA shatters the image we have of our parents, it completely changes the way we perceive our families and ourselves. We are, she said, heading toward a new norm. And I think that this needs to be emphasized. If you're going to take a DNA test, don't take it with the wondering if you're going to have unexpected findings. Take it expecting unexpected findings because every single family in the world is going to either have an NPE or an unexpected half-sibling or an unexpected aunt or uncle or an unexpected niece or nephew. It's there. But what does it really mean to find out that your family isn't really who you thought they were? After all, that doesn't change who raised you or the experiences you've had. Here's Carolyn again. I always thought I was more like my dad. And and I think, you know, there's the whole nurture versus nature kind of thing. And I, I don't know. And when you get blindsided like that and your whole foundation is taken out from underneath you, it's a little perplexing. It's a little perplexing. Carolyn thinks this has actually been hardest on the man she considers her dad, the dad that raised her. Carolyn may have lost her genetic connection to him, but she also gained a whole new family. For her father, there was no new family to balance out the loss. I talked to a few of Carolyn's new sisters, and Gary's brother, too. All of them seem to embrace their newfound family. Even for the siblings who grew up knowing Gary is their father— the expanded family has changed their lives. There has been tension at times and jealousy as Gary has embraced some of his new children despite tattered relationships with some of his old ones. Early on, one of Carolyn's new sisters joked to her that instead of the Brady Bunch, she had stumbled into the Jerry Springer show. But there have also been joyful reunions and family group text threads and new bonds that seem as deep as any childhood ones. Here's Gary's brother, Larry, who the siblings call the Funkle, or the Fun Uncle. I feel related to them. Uh, I'm very interested in their stories. I'm interested in their lives. Um, you know, I was raised by a stepfather. My parents divorced when I was really young. I have a lot of compassion for a situation like that. Later this year, some of Carolyn's new family is planning to visit her in Washington. She said it's weird how easy it has been to get to know them. It often feels like talking to an old friend, when the family she grew up with often feel like strangers she has little in common with. And it's actually helped her strained relationship with her parents, allowing them to talk more openly. She says she's glad to know the truth, to have learned something new about herself and where she came from, that her roots are not Swedish and Jewish, but Southern, that other people share her same weird toes. How has it changed my life? It's changed my life for a positive. I have a family. 
and um, I didn't have that, you know, six months ago. I had the family I grew up with, but it was dysfunctional and broken. And this is probably still dysfunctional and broken, but it's bigger. <laughs> but she is also still a sheep farmer who keeps nocturnal hours and knows all of her 80 sheep by name. A woman who grew up with two parents and a half-brother in the country on the Canadian border. And a divorced mom to three kids. It, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't change who I am. And that's it for this week's prognosis. Thanks for listening. Do you have a story about healthcare in the U.S. or around the world? We want to hear from you. You can email me, mcortez at bloomberg.net, or find me on Twitter, at Cortez. If you were a fan of this episode, please take a moment to rate and review us. It helps new listeners find the show. This episode was produced by Liz Smith. Our story editor was Rick Shine. Thanks also to health team leader Drew Armstrong and Francesca Levy, who's head of podcasts at Bloomberg. We'll see you in two weeks on April 11th for our next episode. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.